2: That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, of course, I'm joined by Leonora Kovoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So did you have a nice weekend? Yes, I did indeed. That's good. So we're still talking about, um, we're still finding evidence of uh, election fraud. In this case, uh, there's some new information that's, uh, that's really, I think, uh, telling.
1: Yeah, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors have have found uh, that that there's been some new um, findings of uh, information, and they're uh, related to the ballots uh, that there were, that there were indications that ballots were found shredded in a dumpster, a county dumpster, that were completed ballots from the 2020 election, and right. there was also a fire that broke out at a county official's farm around the same time. So you're wondering what.
2: Right. You well, know, could have gone on I think with that. these things are going to find its way into a courtroom where mm-hmm. there's going to be a judge that's going to uh, have some integrity and accept the case. And once that case is accepted, um, you know, all hell's going to break loose. Sort of like what's happening in New York uh, right now with Governor Andrew Cuomo. I guess uh, it's like 15,000 people upwards of have died, uh, died at the hands of his decision. And he understated elderly. the number. Right. Well, he sent the uh, sent the elderly uh, to to the nursing homes, and then caused all these deaths. Um, but
1: and then lied about the numbers. But the
2: media they they would rather talk about me too rather than the deaths of these innocent victims of his draconian uh, mandates. And see, that's the thing, because if we were to um, have a problem with. The draconian mandates, uh, that would, I think, open up Pandora's box right there with regard to litigation. My whole, my whole belief is this, you know, and I've been censored on uh, Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere just for simply questioning the scientists, Right, right? That's the part that gets me the most, is you're not allowed to question it, right? But yet there's so much good information out there it not only says that masks don't work, uh, that you don't spread if you're asymptomatic, or um, you know all of these different things related to uh, um, the the health measures of a mask being on your face, right? You know, and and the lack of oxygen. Uh, the, the, the I guess people have been getting um, some sort of acne or skin condition as a result of of these fabrics and, uh, you know, the well, bacteria? Well, yes, the
1: fabrics, it's also, they may not be properly cleaned. But to the point you were just making a moment ago, I think, you know, both things with Cuomo are wrong. It is wrong to sexually harass people who work for you, but but so is the cover-up of the deaths in uh, the nursing homes. The Not only, you know, sending people there in the first place, underreporting the numbers, using your staff to underreport the numbers, both are wrong. But it's interesting how the liberal media doesn't focus that much on the COVID information, but they're all over the Me Too.
2: Well, because they have a playbook.
1: Right. They know for, how to... They,
2: they, they have a playbook for Me Too.
1: Right. Look, they're both wrong. Okay. No,
2: no, no. They are. But, but what it is, is the razzle-dazzle here. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. They so have... what
2: it is, is is a uh, smoke and mirrors act. Where uh, Do you think that the Me Too thing came out um by accident? No, of course not. Because one is murder. One is there's no playbook for it. One is is all about the what's actually happening in New York politics in the underbelly, which is the money. Right. And so these these farm companies and these health companies that have been giving money out to pol- this politician in in the case of New York, it's Andrew Como. He, uh, I read something a long time ago, like a couple of years, a few years ago, about the strong arm power grip that he had. This was before COVID. Yeah. And how his biggest financers, his biggest funders for his campaigns were part of the healthcare community. And he was hiring key people. That were coming from those circles.
1: This is the crony. So capitalism. when you say trust the
2: scientists, you're really saying trust the crony capital uh, capitalists that. You know, that cronyism.
1: And And there's a
2: lot of money in that industry.
1: There is. And to your point about money, I just want to quickly interject something. And this was a statistic that came out last year. Nursing homes were being paid more for COVID patients than they were for patients with dementia. It was several times the amount. So there was an incentive for the nursing homes to have COVID patients. And,
2: And then from a socialist perspective, wow, you just saved a bundle on your insurance uh, by switching to GEICO. I mean, basically, you just saved a bundle in terms of, you know, most people's medical bills go up as they get older. Yeah. Is that true? Uh, right? Well, that,
1: they, they, they go up as they get older, but then when right. you're, you become eligible for Medicare – then then your your bills go up but then you have a way to cover the
2: government's bill yeah. the government has to whether it's medicare medicaid right or anything the the government has to pay more right as a as person gets older uh their insurance goes higher because their likelihood of getting sick goes up and they do get sick uh at every end of life Situation involves a medical professional. Right. It seems like it seems like yes, th- th- with with few exceptions. So next thing you know, you're spending all this money, and if it's socialized medicine, which is the brain, you know, is, is the brain is the thinking of Andrew Como, right? Socialized medicine, um, then what you have is you have uh, all these all these deaths from the nursing homes and yeah. the elderly saves them a lot you know that was my uh my little accusation to in italy is italy uh their population was apparently a little older right and um it's like they were they were um supportive of socialized medicine mm-hmm. but you know they ended up saving a lot because it, the, this uh disease or this virus targeted elderly yeah. So it knocked them out, right? It took out that whole top. And you talk about death panels, right? So maybe they looked at the whole thing and said, you know, uh, they've already lived a long life anyway. Right. But tell that to Janice Steen, right? Janice lost. Who lost last, her two in-laws. Right. And so she's been really like the tip of the spear on that. But, you know, the media doesn't want to cover it and the problem for the media is you got a media personality like Janice Dean that's a big megaphone and she's speaking on behalf of her fu- her her um her husband who apparently is not a, you know a brand name right. right so she's the one carrying that torch and i i think she's doing an effective job because she's, she's actually credible. pushing now for the achilles heel there and that's the impeachment but the idea is that there was a time in fact, there's an unbelievable amount of um, let's see right here this this media ad- adulation by journalist Aerobach uh, A. Robach. Now she was the one that said she had she so was sitting on some Seth Rich stuff, and uh, ABC buried it. Well, this was an ABC journalist, and says watch this cringe interview from journalist Aerobach or A. Robach. Amy Robach, that's her name. Amy Robach, the same, uh, the same person who allowed ABC to spike her Jeffrey Epstein ex- expose. That's what it was. Jeffrey Ep- Epstein. That's where I remember her that, name from. That might have saved some victims, right? So take a listen to this.
0: In, in one word, can you describe the past 100 days? Okay,
2: so what this is, is complete adulation of Andrew Cuomo back a, a year, you know, like half a year ago, right? It's It's pretty pathetic. To see what our journalists have come to
0: in one word can you describe the past 100 days
2: hell can i say that
0: yeah <laughs> you can i think that's there what still keeps you up at night you've been commended For your clear and your calm leadership. People from all over the country and the world have tuned into your press conferences. Your statewide approval rating, a career high 84%. You came in second only to President Obama as the most trusted Democratic leader in America. How do you intend? on spending that political capital that you've earned if you had to give president trump a grade on how he's handled this pandemic what would you give him what grade would you give yourself you've said that you have no political aspirations beyond the job you're in right now right a lot of people are asking why why not think about something grander bigger presidential would you accept a cabinet position in the biden administration that was a quick no Nope. (laughs) why not i know that you've been portrayed as some sort of a homecoming king of this crisis and a headline from jezebel help i think i'm in love with andrew cuomo the new york post dubbed you the new love gov (laughs) chelsea handler wrote you a love letter essay in vogue entitled dear andrew cuomo i want to be your first lady your reaction to all that your daughter's reaction to all of that when are you going to hug your mom again it's a very powerful Interview, and he is no holds barred. He says exactly what he's thinking, as you know, that's his style. Well, you can see that, and you ask the tough questions. I tell you that
2: <laughs> much as well. <laughs> that's in a guy, thing. um, Strahan, right? Yeah, and it's like, and you ask the tough Michael questions, Strahan, Yeah,
1: yeah but you know what's so interesting is this is how fickle the media is. What, was oh the, my what did you God. say that was six months ago? And uh,
2: I, yeah, well, it was, it was sort of uh, in you know, talking about Biden's presidency and. They were talking about COVID. So, yeah, it yeah. had to be. Yeah, somewhere. so so
1: basically, you know, you've got a situation now where everybody is turning on him, largely for the Me Too, um, and less, less. it's less about COVID, but that's how fickle the media is. They build c- people up and then take them down.
2: So they were talking about this. They said, just a reminder that $1.9 trillion is enough to give every American man, woman, and child nearly $6,000 you're getting 1400 who's getting the rest and why isn't it you democrats stole from you gave you back a fraction and then they say and and, and then and they and msn M- mainstream media uh, are high-fiving each other like yeah. wow we did it so they're taking all your money they're giving you back a fraction they're acting like they're your hero
1: right that's and, ridiculous. And only about 9% of that $1.9 is going to COVID and vaccines.
2: Jillian Anderson writes, in a record of only 45 short days, Joe Biden managed to take the most secure border we've ever had and turn it into a complete disaster. And that's true. But, you know, that, that uh, journalistic thing, you know, people are talking about Joe Biden not holding a press conference the longest period without a press conference
1: in history in and, like a hundred no, 100 years, 100 years yeah, yeah. 100,
2: over a hundred years and um and that that could have been because one of the presidents may have been dying or something right. you know i mean <clears throat> this is insane folks that what, what we're dealing with here we're dealing with a guy who basically can't well number one you're getting softball questions like the interview we just yeah, heard yeah. right that's number one number two Um, The situation is that they're so afraid that he'll misanswer a question. That's why
1: they're putting him on a short leash.
2: And what I'm afraid of as well is that, well, I'm not afraid of it. Actually, I know it's happening. And that is, you know, those think tankers from the Brookings Institution or the Atlantic Council or wherever else, I was one of the first to talk about Brookings and their involvement Uh, way back, well back 2017. I was saying what we have to worry about is people from Brookings and Atlanta Council and these these think tankers that are actually connected with the intelligence community and the uh, national security community. Um, And they were the ones that were wreaking havoc on the coups. That were coming out. Mark Zaid comes to mind. You know, he tweeted about it. But I remember Fiona Hill talking about her friends at the Brookings Institution. And she had the dossier and all this, that, and the other. You know, about having it before anybody else did, and knew what was coming out and how things were going to perpetuate. But you know, um, that's what I worry about: is that Joe Biden was going to sit up there and ask, uh, get asked questions. But if he, if they allow real journalists in there. Which, for the first press conference, you're going to have to get them all, right? And they'll ask him a question, and he won't even know what he signed. Yeah. That's, that's the answer. That, that's the problem. That's the is, fear. Is, is that- there going to be like, because, you know, it always struck me as interesting when they would ask Trump a question about, you know, some obscure policy. He knew about it. Yeah, because right? he
1: knew everything. And, you know, there are leaders that are like that, that know everything, you know, in the trenches. Whereas Biden, they are cl- closely watching him because they are concerned that he's going to misspeak. They're going they're concerned that he's not going to have all the facts at his fingertips. Well, because he
2: signed more executive orders than – and he even said himself, he's like, I don't even know what I'm signing here. Right. Right? So – they're they're going to ask him a question. Oh, uh, wh- why did you go ahead and sign that uh, executive order eight two seven five three?
1: And he's not going to know which one it is. No,
2: no. And he, they're going to then they'll, they'll tell him. They'll the, remind him. They'll say one? it's about the um, you know Mexico City, whatever, whatever. You know, it's something he signed, right? And he's going to give an answer like. I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Right. Well, you know, what was really telling was that exchange between him and Nancy Pelosi, who says, "Okay, Nancy, you tell me what to say. You you know, you saw that was I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. You know, I mean, it's just it's really um, very um, telling that that the the people around Biden don't have confidence in him.
2: Well, I wrote this uh, piece and I was basically um, I, I wrote this. I said, Biden odd how the older white privileged man presumably in charge of cancel culture comes from a generation whose culture he wishes to cancel no wonder the wealthy tenured and famous endorse liberal fascist views they climb the rope to the top then cut it to avoid competition that's exactly what goes on and so here you got joe biden some white privileged male Right. Mm-hmm. That drove around in fancy cars when he was young and silver spooned his way you know, up the ladder, lying his way, plagiarizing his way up the ladder uh, and always wanting to get to a higher plane in politics in Washington, D.C. Never really had a business of his own. He milked his way. He milked the government for all it's worth and he got rich off of it. And he's got houses everywhere. He's got children on drugs. He's got all kinds of situations going on that aren't good, and it's because the swamp is such a slimy place. But think about it. It's odd how he wants to cancel. Now they want to cancel Speedy Gonzales. Yeah. They want to cancel the Jeep Cherokee, which I uh, happen to be a Native American, right? So they want to cancel culture. Cancel. Cancel the uh Atlanta Braves or cancel the Washington Redskins cancel um the Jeep Cherokee um they want to cancel Speedy Gonzalez uh, they were um canceling Dr. Seuss right? right so um it's like book burning back in the stone ages right. that's what the that's where the liberals and the left are and all they want to talk about transgender they want to talk about transgender this transgender like anybody even gives a crap about 0.04% of one percent of the population. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Priorities. Again, what it is. What's serious business about Andrew Como is how he killed fifteen thousand people based on a doofus decision of putting COVID patients into the nursing homes to help make his cronies rich. Right? That's the that's the issue. No, they want to talk about me too because they got a playbook on how to beat the Me Too. I always look at a playbook and I always think about it visually Football and I say, okay. Well, if you know they're, they're going to run, you're going to put your biggest guys up at the line, and you're going to figure out a way to stop the run. And if you uh, if it's a passing down, uh, you're going to get your a different defense out there that's going to be speedy and great pass defense, right? So they got a playbook for these things, but they don't have a playbook on how to get Andrew Coma out of this jam right. with respect to. So they want to change the subject, and the media is covering up for these people. And that's what they're doing, because they learned a lot on how to protect um, uh, Harvey Weinstein for so long, until they couldn't. And that's what they're worried about, is that the can, that the lid's going to blow wide open, you know? And... We're yeah
1: I, I agree i mean uh, you know i again i think i see hypocrisy here because we're not focused on the bigger story which is yeah. the covid deaths and again that's not to trivialize what those three women uh, or the other ones who will inevitably come forward will say i mean of course their story matters but it's just the media chooses and picks you know the the focuses that they're going to take
2: well you know i was talking um i was talking uh, to, to you about this um about uh um, COVID. And I was I was thinking of COVID and I was thinking about you know, how it impacted our election. Yeah. And how it's impacting um globalism around the world and how the globalists, I think, have exploited COVID for all it's worth in terms of controlling populations. And you know, we, we've heard clips and sound bites from Bill Gates talking about um, vaccines and how vaccines can be instrumental in controlling populations, and I think all of this is quite fascinating. And one of the th- issues is that concerns me is this: this the, you know death panels, socialized medicine, um, COVID, and the powers that be that control and talk of uh, di- dictate what it is that they'll cover and what it is they won't cover, right? And that's what concerns me the most. Now, that being said, if we look back at history, though, and we look back and we say, um, what was the impact of, say, terrorism? If you go back and you look at Munich 1972, when they took hostages at the Munich Olympics, right? right? Um, you got that, right? And then you got, Hitler, but remember in World War II with Pearl Harbor one of the issues, the underlying theme, the, de- the common denominator with all of that is that these villains, these um, protagonists or antagonists I should say, these antagonists in these stories, whether it's Hitler, Mussolini um, or whether it's uh, Gaddafi or, or um, um I was thinking of the the guy that was responsible for uh um some of the early terrorist attacks, Arafat. Arafat. Yeah, Arafat. So Arafat or, you know, Hitler, the Japanese. So the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor unprovoked middle of the night bam, right? And a lot of innocent people died as a result of their attack. Hitler, you know, went after the Jews, right? Again, just minding their own business, living yeah. their lives. Yeah. And they did that. So Japanese and Hitler. And you take a look at 9-11 attack. That's another good example. Where they fly planes in the buildings, and the victims were who? People showing up, going to work that day. Exactly. Right? Now, you fast forward and you say, okay, we go to the airport and we have to wait in these long security lines. And the, the problem with that is we have this resentment. We have this divisiveness. We take a look at what the culprit is. Who's, who's the underlying driving force uh, for us to be in these security lines? Or to get into a building, we have to go through all kinds of metal security. Right. And it's these criminals in the world or these people with um, bad intentions that kill innocent people for money or for greed or for, for cause, um, I mean, in terms of ideology and the quash that's the question and the answer is they get tarnished you know there there have even been issues where uh black people as a whole have been accused of um of being dangerous because their crime statistics were up but there was a lot of other factors you know single parent homes poverty a whole host of things that that caused this uh to, to happen in some some way but there's a stigma and there's a stigma that we on the in the west have with against muslims that's not healthy and it's divisive and you got to ask yourself this question if you're a leader in the muslim or islamic state or in is a muslim community do you um, what do you do there how do you get over that stigma and you you know if you're one of the perpetrators of these types of crimes you might want to reconsider There might be pushback. And you might say, you know, that strategy, I know why you did it. You didn't have the tanks and the bullets to measure up to a Western military style. So you you went toward the Achilles heel and you, you created terror because that's all you could afford. That's the only muscle you had. Right. And so that's why you went after it. And we understand why you did it. But guess what? It's bad for business. It's bad branding because decades later and generations later, you're still scarred from those activities and it's never going to put you into a a world of acceptance. It's never going to put you on the accepted world stage. It's never going to get you to integrate into the world as we know it, the the civilized world, uh, because you're always going to be sort of uh, irrelevant or pushed to the side because of the scars that you've created by your own actions that may have won you that battle but lost you the war in the in the grand scheme of things. And now I'm looking at China the same way with this COVID because yes. everybody knows that China was either negligent or they were malicious. But one thing is for sure, they were unapologetic and they have this level of arrogance and attitude and they are tricking the World Trade Organization into still deeming themselves as being developing nation. Everybody knows that's a fraud. And so the issue is, how are we going to be looking at our Chinese neighbors and Chinese partners and Chinese uh, citizens? And what has China done to themselves? In order to get to be the number one economy in the world or the number one superpower in the world, what have they given up? What kind of scars did they create yeah. with this COVID where they killed... I think it's 900,000 total, or I don't know exactly what the world death Mm -hmm. rate number is. um, But I know that America's lost, you know, statistically, 150 to 200,000. Well, guess what? We look at China now a whole different way. And this is going to be for years and decades to come. And they got to realize that. And somebody ought to step up, though, and... You know, hold them accountable and let it be known who the responsible party who who's the one behind this 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 covid attack on the world and who benefited the greatest and who was non remorseful and how is this going to impact china is it going to impact China the way Hitler impacted Germany is it going to impact China the way it Impacted uh, the Muslim world with their terrorist attacks. Again, all of these attacks, unlike what you know, unlike what Patton and Montgomery and World War Mm -hmm. II and storming the beaches of Normandy, that was a that was a a military against another military, and they waged it on the battlefield. These attacks or unorthodox attacks, or they're not conventional. And they go after innocents. They go after citizens. They go after defenseless people, like ISIS did in Syria, when they went rampaging through that country with that, that country who happened to have strong gun just gun control, strong gun control to the point where they were defenseless. And they killed innocent people and they were treated as terrorists. Hitler was a terrorist of his time. And the, in the Muslim world, uh, the radical Islamic jihadis are terrorists of our time. Will China become the next terrorist organization? And should they be looked at that way? That's the question. That's the question we have for China. Yeah. Um now, we are expecting a guest uh, right now. And, uh, I did see a caller call in, but it was just an unnamed caller, okay. wa- wireless no. caller. But we are expecting Kate, Kate, uh, Katie Clobes uh, to come on to speak about justice for Evie. And I think that we have that maybe now. That just says wireless caller. So, caller, you're on the air. Is this uh, Caitlin, Katie? This is, Kate. this is Katie,
3: yep. Uh, Was that you
2: that called in just a little bit ago? Yeah, like Uh, two
3: seconds ago,
2: yes. Oh, okay. All right. So we're talking with Caitlin Cloves, and she is uh, the founder of Justice for Evie. And we want to welcome you to the Scott Adams Show, Katie.
3: Thank you so much for
2: having me. All right. Well, you you have a very, very interesting story, and it's a tragic story. Um, it's a story that uh, I think should be told, and I was hoping that you can actually tell us the backstory on what justice dot org is all about.
3: Um, and I have how much time?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, good good amount of time.
3: Okay. Um... So, um, yes, my name is Katie Klobus. I'm, uh, I'm a single mother from Minnesota. My daughter Evie uh, passed away March 1st, 2019, um, 36 hours after her six month vaccines. Um, she received six vaccines at that time, the Prevnar and the Pediarix, which is a five in one shot. Um, I, I, was very confused um, on what had happened the day of her death. I was being investigated by the investigator and the medical examiner's investigator, and they have to fill out this form for the CDC, this um, Sudden Unexpected Infant Death Investigation form. Sit. And one of the questions on there is, did, did the child receive any medications or vaccinations 72 hours prior to their death? Um, and, and I had just remembered, oh my gosh, she did get her vaccines just on Wednesday and it was a Friday morning and, um, the medical examiner's investigator kind of rhetorically looked up at me and said she did and then quickly looked back down. Um, and I didn't think of it at at the time, but then that night I couldn't sleep, obviously. And my wheels started turning. And the next day I made a post on social media asking, you know, like pleading, my daughter just died, um, 36 hours after her vaccines. Does this, has this happened to anyone? Um, do babies die from vaccines? And the post blew up and it has over 600,000 views and, and thousands and thousands of comments, and my inbox blew up. And within days, I had heard stories from parents themselves uh, whose children died right after vaccines. Mm. Um, and so that was the path that I was heading down. Uh, so um, I had to deal with this medical examiner. Her name is Dr. Qu- uh, Angelique Quinstrobel Strobel from the Midwest Medical Examiner's Office. I asked her to do these certain tests, um, you know, testing on uh, cytokines um, to see if the cytokine levels in uh, the serum in her blood were high. That would mean that, you know, the indication of a cytokine storm going on, um, or some some other overproduction in the immune system, um, and. She refused, and she said, "This is not medically necessary. It's not medically accepted. It has nothing to do with the cause of death, and I'm not, I'm not doing it." Um,
2: so let me just and- um, let me just share with our audience. Uh, cytokine storm is one of the uh, things that happens with with COVID patients, and they had uh, yeah. some treatments for that. Um, but cytokine storm is something we heard a lot about with COVID. And it, it it's yeah. like an inflammation of your lungs. Uh, in a case where you know you you lose your breath, you 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 die of a, It's you basically can't breathe because your lungs are are in, impacted by whatever virus or whatever is happening. Maybe even from a vaccine, right?
3: Right. It happens in upper respiratory infections yes. and after vaccinations. It's an overproduction of these mm-hmm. these. Um, protein cells that go with the immune cells right. um and, and they can cross the blood-brain barrier and um I, I would get to that but i can just say now that a event uh, well i'll get to that after i gotta keep telling the story it's, it's sure. kind of like a sure <laughs> so um i was in with this evil medical examiner and um i had to hire my own private neuropathologist which i did dr douglas miller out of the university of missouri um he's experienced in this he's unbiased um because he uh he does believe that some vaccines do work but he does know of vaccine injury and death and believe in it um so i had hired him i um i I had to get, you know, Evie's autopsy photos. I had to get, um, the t- you know, her tissues out of there. Um, and we were only able to get some, some H&E stained slides of some of the tissue. And um, at one point um, in June, Dr. Miller had found a cellular infiltration in uh, tissue block 12 in Evie's hippocampus and he needed a confirmation test on the actual tissue to confirm what he believed to be histiocytes um and histiocytes are this immune cell and they're fine when they're in their station tissue but when they infiltrate another tissue um they destroy that tissue so um he had found this uh, i mean this infiltration he needed a, an immunostain test so i and he also asked for evie's medulla which is the breathing center of your brain <clears throat> and and he was shocked that he hadn't got that with her tissues um and he kind of needed that for you know a, a thorough examination and um so i i Reached out to the medical examiner's office and i and you know I was very frantic um, you know n- not knowing if they had kept the medulla or whatnot um, and to get this immunostain test done and so I waited and waited and usually they were they were quick to respond um, and then june twenty six I received a letter um, from the from the medical examiner's office and Um, the chief medical examiner, Dr. Strobel had said, um, because, because of, uh, pillows on the bed and blankets on the bed, um, and I spoke with such and such an investigator, um, I'm amending the cause of death to positional asphyxiation. And she said, "I'm in the same letter. I'm aware of your desire to petition vaccine court. Um, I'm done with your haphazard requests, as they don't pertain to the the cause of death. And um, that was that was it. She cut me off. She cited a bunch of BS that was already known, and that wasn't evidence." She, um, in that letter, cited the wrong investigator, and put the wrong. So, it's like she just quickly formed this letter to punitively stop me from seeking answers.
2: Well, because you, you because because it seems to me like. Uh, the medical examiner m- had a preconceived uh concept of what she thought happened, so she she didn't really do due diligence and do her job correctly and she drew f- conclusions that ended up probably being false and uh and what would happen is if you look into it and you find all these different things that were not properly investigated or um analyzed in terms of the medical examination that's going to make her look kind of you know negligent in terms of drawing up a false conclusion and a false report um basically based on statistics rather than you know treating each case independently of any other case
3: right right she was completely very impartial And, and and you said it she had this preconceived notion um and and so Evie's cause of death originally was undetermined. Um, and so this is four months later, two, uh, a, few, a couple days after a cellular infiltration had just been found, you know, um, in, indicating that something further was going on in Evie's brain is when she amended the cause of death. And then and then to put in there that. She, She's aware of my desire to petition the vaccine court. So I called my neuropathologist, and on uh, justiceforevy.org, under Katie's story, you can hear my recorded phone call with him, and I, I explained to him what happens, and he he's like, whoa. Um, and he is way more experienced than her, and and he's a neuropathologist. You know, this is his specialty: is the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, whoa! Um, it sounds like the Department of Justice or the Department of Health may have leaned on her, um, because this is strange. Uh, medical examiners are supposed to remain impartial. Um, so, so even just to hear him say that was a little bit validating. That you know, I'm not crazy. Like, she's, right. And she's not gonna do this to me um I'm fighting back, and so I did and i um she she did and she did end up having the medulla, and at that point I found out that she had a whole bunch of other tissues of my daughter's that she was holding there and wasn't giving up um she she I had to hire a lawyer um, and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get my own daughter's tissues out of that office. Um, it took about five, four or five months uh, to get my own daughter's tissues out of the office for a second opinion. Um, I, I had a friend help me and we did a big data request on the Minnesota Department of Health, um, my investigating county and then her. The medical examiner in that county, um, they sent back a bunch of redacted materials, so nothing can say you're more guilty than like a whole bunch of (laughs) redacted emails. And um, then we fought the redactions and uh, got quite a bit of it out, and um, I found disturbing um disturbing emails between dr strobel and her colleagues um the the day I, and i put these proofs up on justice um in the blog section that um the day she changes the cause or amends the cause of death or says she's going to uh her colleague tells her you better just leave this well enough alone or it's going to look like retaliation. So even even her colleague had warned her and, and knew what it was and what it was going to look like, um, and she was spot on. Um, I saw newspapers reaching out to them um, and their media guy trying to push this this story onto them and um, this narrative that of the amended cause of death and whatnot, and that it wasn't vaccine. It, this was a local uh, newspaper WCCO. Um, and they're like, no, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole, pretty much. Um, it, this is just tragic. But I think I think he knew that something was going on um, because I, at that point, I had already put out so much information. Um she broke HIPAA by talking to her husband um right she the the d- day she amended the cause of death, she had reached out to the um the an, the primary investigator, and she said, "I hear you have a beautiful description of e. v. Clobus for me." um who refers to a deceased child like that a beautiful description is what she said um and he's like what's he replies and says what's going on with this case this was done a long time ago and and she's like call me so i don't know what happened from there but um so she spoke with that primary investigator And then, like, a couple hours later, formed this letter and then wrote the wrong investigator's name in the letter. That's how negligent and careless she is. Right, right.
2: Now, here's the thing. Um, Um, Because we are limited for time, I want to tell the folks um, that you uh, started this uh, organization to really uh, bring truth to power. And... One of the things you've been trying to do is you've been trying to get yourself on billboards and get yourself out there in social media. And what you've been trying to do is create awareness for uh, vaccines and what they could do and the negative impact that they can have on certain people. You know, not everyone, but certain people can be directly affected if you have signs and symptoms um, you can go to VARS, uh, V A E R S, Vaccine Adverse okay. Event Reporting System, and that is V A E V A E R S dot hhs dot gov. And what you were um, what you were able to do is generate some funds, and you took those funds and you actually per- bought up some billboard spaces, and you even took one and bought one up from us. Uh, and put it in the heart of Times Square. And you didn't even promote yourself. What you did was you put together um, a, a an ad that basically said, report any vaccine reaction to vaers.hhs.gov. You didn't even promote yourself on that. And yet you put the money up to, to do that billboard because you care so much about uh, your uh, these concerns and, and you're concerned enough about these issues related to vaccines and the, and some of the adverse effects that they can have on people.
3: Yeah. Um, well, hundreds of donors helped um, put up that money. So, so yeah, many people helped. But that's the one thing that we re- we need right now. Um, and I also I also have cards. Um, there's info cards. Um, at justicefreevy.org, but people need to start reporting. Uh, that's the only reporting system that there that exists for vaccine adverse events, injuries, and deaths. And, um, a lot of people don't know this, but it is your doctors, it, it's the law according to the 1986, um, National Vaccine Act that your your doctor has to report to VARS any of these. Um, uh, there's a big list of adverse events and injuries or a death within seventy two hours. It's the law, and they're not doing it. My doctor or Evie's doctor in Evie's case actually refused, and and at that time I didn't, you know, I didn't know that it was the law and whatnot but these doctors need to be held accountable and accrediting agencies need to be called and maybe medical board complaints need to be filed for people to start opening their eyes because we need the numbers that's the only thing we have you know to take back at the advisory uh, the advisory um, committee of, of immunization practices at the CDC and, and say Hey, there's over thirteen hundred deaths of the COVID nineteen from the COVID nineteen vaccine uh reported to virus right now. You know, let's do something. They pulled the swine flu vaccine after hundred and fifty deaths. What's going on here? And this isn't just for the COVID vaccine nineteen vaccine, this is for you report for all vaccines injuries here from from a severe rash to uh you know tingling numbness um on an extremity to a stroke to a heart attack to death a- anything and everything it needs to go and it's a passive reporting system and you can't m- you can't so you can't make anything up and it, it'd be hard to because they ask for you know the the vaccine vial um information the mm-hmm. number and everything um but still, it's the only thing that that we have. Um, we as advocates have to show the people. Look at these rising numbers, and yeah. the funds reporting is based on a on a um on one one percent reporting. Harvard Pilgrim um got all this money in 2017 to do a study. Uh, on the VAR's reporting system, and it came out that only 1% of injuries and adverse events and deaths are reported. Were reported. 1%.
2: And so you're bringing awareness to that, and you're doing it uh, in such an effective way. I want to, um, we're, we ha- we're uh, at near the end of our show here, but um, I want to have you back on, Katie. So um, we're going to have Katie Klobis, uh and it's spelled also Caitlin, but you go by Katie, right? Oh, um, yeah. And I want to talk about uh, how people can help. Uh, it's Justice for Evie, org, And Evie is spelled E-V-E-E, not E-V-I-E, but E-V-E-E. So it's Justice for Evie, E-V-E-E at the end there, .org. Go there. If you can make a donation, do that. Um, it's for a good you know it's for a good cause and also it's just uh you're you're working um on a lot of different angles because you have a a lawsuit with NBC uh for for yeah. the defamation uh you also have um so many other other things going on that you're trying to drive this mission and this awareness you're doing it from a very very good place um also I just want you to know we're going to be putting up a box ad on our web, uh website for you, uh, that's going to uh, tell your story even more and draw a link back to justice for Evie. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing that today at some point.
3: Okay, awesome. You you just said she's in a lawsuit against NBC for libel and defamation, and anybody who's listening who doesn't know me is probably like, what? What's going on? <laughs>
2: oh, I, but they
3: can read. Me.
2: Yeah, I thought that was public publicly posted no
3: oh yeah it it is i i just any of your listeners who don't know my story already oh right, just heard the yeah yeah, that's right,
2: right, well, Katie, right thank you so much, and again, it's justice for e v too easy at the end dot uh, org uh, make a donation uh, any donation will help her uh, help uh, Katie and also we're going to be putting a box that up on our website and we're going to have Katie coming back on the Scott Adams show uh, to to further the discussion because this is a big deal and I really love the fact that you um, you know uh made people aware of a government website v a e Uh, V-A-E-R-S dot H-H-S dot gov, where they can report any kind of um, any kind of reaction that they might be having to a vaccine and just go there and report it. Only one percent are reporting. We need more than that. Uh, It's good information for the uh, HHS to have. But, Katie, thank you so much. And we'll be seeing you next time again when you join us on the radio. And thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Hey, let me just say one thing. Sure. Isn't that crazy that uh, that a bunch of vaccine advocates, safety advocates, had to, you know, pay all this money to get this billboard up? When HHS should be the ones putting the billboards up.
2: That's true. That's a good point. I, That's true because your your ad yeah. that you ran with us, uh, you know, was wasn't cheap, and and the uh, the idea here is that. You know, you weren't even promoting yourself there. Uh, this was a public, like, akin to a public service announcement. And, yeah. you know, but we're going to hopefully, um, you know, be able to run your ad. We're going to put your ad up uh, today, the box ad, uh, on our website. And hopefully you're going to get a lot of click-throughs on that. And uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Take care now. All
3: right.
1: Take care. All right.
2: And that's org, And... Uh, yes. Um, well wow, she's visit, fighting this fight alone.
1: And visit her website because she also has products out there, wristbands and other things and oh, pins sure. and et cetera.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, Florida Representative Gates, uh, I wanted to get to this um, story. And let's see how much... No, we're out of time. So we're Plum out of time, as yeah. you like to say. Yeah, so... <laughs> You've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. Well, wow, we're way out of time, aren't we? You've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. And my name's Scott Adams. My name
1: is Leonor Cavetta.
2: We'll see you next time on the radio. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the podcast of this show, which we'll be posting shortly. All right, take care, everybody.
1: From a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand,
3: the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.